The FDA has issued an extensive recall on several heparin products, which appear to have been contaminated. Often, production of heparin and other drugs is initiated abroad. How can we better understand the drug production process in the context of heparin contamination? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at Chicago Medical School, and our guest today is Dr. Javed Farid, Professor of Pathology and Pharmacology at Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. Dr. Farid has been studying batches of heparin since the drug contamination issue arose. Welcome, Dr. Farid. I'm pleased to be here. Today we are discussing the international implications of heparin contamination. Dr. Farid, there have been heparin recalls not just in the United States, but in other countries, yes? That is correct. Uh, soon after the uh, recalls from the U.S., the German government issued a recall from a company called Rotex Medica, and the supplier of the heparin for Rotex Medica in Germany was the same Chinese supplier as the one which was for SPL, which supplies the heparin for Baxter, whose heparin was recalled in the United States. And were they seeing the same adverse effects? Yes. There were four deaths and quite a few adverse effects. After the German recall, the Japanese started recalling for precautionary measures. And then France, Italy also joined with Denmark to recall and then Australia and Canada joined. So this has become a global problem because the supply of almost 70% of the world heparin comes from China. So it goes to U.S. and European community and Australia. So people are concerned. So this is a global problem now. In the 30% that is not produced in China, did they see any of these adverse reactions? None reported so far, but people are looking into it. Dr. Fareed, take us through, in a simplistic fashion, how heparin production is done in China. Heparin is produced by harvesting the porcine mucosal content. For example, when the sausages are made, you saw the casing. These are the intestine from the pigs, their casing, and the content of this is very rich in a cell called mast cell, M-A-S-T cells. These mast cells are rich in heparin, and these mast cells contain mucin and all kinds of proteins. These are precipitated, processed through, and then the heparin is isolated by chemical extraction method by using solvents, purified, cleaned, decolorized, and through industrial manufacturing processes using specification. So the final product is more of a non-protein, carbohydrate, sugar-like, or a starch-like substance, which is sulfated, has blood-thinning anticoagulant activity, and is free of proteins or lipids. So this is the simple explanation of how is heparin is manufactured. So this is a rather complex process of production of the heparin in China, yes? Yes. Is this regulated in China in any way? There are two questions to be answered here. The first step is a small slaughterhouse in small towns, which then bring the mucosa to the big towns such as Beijing or Shanghai or Canton. And the first 
step is to isolate the mucosal content, put in drums, and in good conditions, send to the big plants. In the big plant, then, the proteins are removed and so forth, and then heparin is precipitated and processed, and the bulk heparin then is cleaned and purified. There are regulatory procedures in China, not as stringent and as controlled as we have in the United States, but the Chinese government assures us that due diligence is exercised and there is compliance to the septic conditions, to type of animals used, and also the type of material exported to USA is certified. Well, how do they address what's going on right now? The Chinese have attributed the contamination to be associated with two specific plants at the present time, and the plants of origin where the final API, the active pharmaceutical ingredient, is produced in two places. There is no definitive statement that the Chinese government said that there is counterfeiting, but they said that the contaminant is originating at the point where all these heparins are mixed together and bulk material is converted into the active pharmaceutical ingredient. So the Chinese government knows that the problem is is starting at the point of origin where this material is mixed and then sent to the United States. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at Chicago Medical School. And with me today is Dr. Javed Farid, professor of pathology and pharmacology at Loyola University Chicago Stritch School of Medicine. We are discussing the international implications of heparin contamination. Dr. Farid, how much control does the FDA have over the regulations of the drug production process in China? Well, the FDA is supposed to have a major control And you may have heard in the news that the FDA has limited resources. The plant in Changzhou is owned by an American company called Scientific Protein Limited. The FDA has jurisdiction in inspecting that plant and the products coming out of that plant because not only this is an American plant, but the product is also coming to the U.S., The FDA has inspected facilities in China, but allegedly not 100% sure this particular plant was not inspected by FDA. But more recently, the FDA has sent the inspectors there and found some breach of compliance. What other countries besides China produce heparin for us? The other countries which produce heparin for us are mostly European countries. Italy is one country. France is another country, and Netherlands, these are the three quite important countries. A heparin-like substance comes from India, but we don't have any heparin from India. Do they have a different monitoring process in those places? The European community, where the Italy, France, Spain, Denmark, they have very stringent requirements and much stronger control of heparin production and their heparin is not contaminated with any of the natural contaminants or carryover substances in this substance. So to answer your question, the Europeans have a very strong, stringent control on 
apron manufacturing and processing. Is this the first time that we've had contamination concerns coming out of China? On heparin, yes. This is the first time that we have this problem. Any other medications or any other drugs? You know, you hear certain things about, you know, the dog food and so forth. But to my knowledge, I mean, China is going to be a major player in making generic drugs in the next few years. And certainly the Chinese are always interested in cost-effective approaches. So at the present time, fortunately, we don't have a major problem. But I think that this particular event has led us to be a little bit more cautious and be more forthright in exercising compliance in China if we are importing drugs from China. Well, what does China say in terms of tightening up their own regulatory process? And is there any reason that we should be somewhat skeptical? Well, the Chinese initially were not happy about this situation, and they felt that maybe that the SPL plant, which is run by the American scientists or American governance, should have implemented these policies and procedures there. They were pointing finger to us. But then more recently, the health authorities in China has alerted the manufacturers of heparin there and implemented certain control measures and compliance issues. And the Chinese are concerned of this situation because they want to continue to export products. And I think they have assured that they would follow up and have more stronger controls. In retrospect, should the United States have been more proactive in terms of preventing these issues from becoming as serious as they are now? Absolutely. I think that there is, as press has said, the oversight is FDA. And unfortunately, whether or not this is a resource allocation problem, the FDA has not really looked into some of these issues, and that's why we have these problems. How would you, sir, solve this problem? Well, I think the FDA has recognized this now, and there is an appropriation of more funding to the FDA, and Congress is going to have a hearing on this, and I think allocate more resources and a proper control. And what the FDA has done now is to work with individuals who are experts implementing two new methods for quality assure any of the apprentice. If you look at the FDA website, you see how they have done this. They are now embargoing and stopping all heparin importation here, and they are going to check each batch of heparin by uh, using certain methods and asking the manufacturer to provide information that there is no contaminant such as the one reported in their product by using two methods. Then they will allow it to use. They will have a more stringent reporting structure. They will probe the reactions. So I think that there is awareness, but The bottom line is the limited resources provided to the FDA. Even if we had unlimited resources, doesn't most of the work have to be done here because China doesn't really give us an open-door policy in terms of going in and inspecting their laboratories, do they? China does allow us, and any certification that this plant is FDA-inspected always give credibility to that plant. So I think with the trade which we have with China, especially in the cases of drugs, I think the FDA has jurisdiction to go and inspect Chinese plants. How accessible those plants are, how cooperative are the people, 
That I don't know, but I think that we have a right to go and inspect those. And I think that was done post facto after the incident occurred, and the FDA inspectors went to China and found certain problems. I want to thank our guest, Dr. Javed Farid. We've been discussing the international implications of heparin contamination. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, now featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at ReachMD.com. And thank you for listening. This is Dr. Andrew Lasher, Director of Palliative Medicine at California Pacific Medical Center in beautiful San Francisco, California. You are listening to ReachMD on XM Channel 157, the channel for medical professionals.